Hope FM, faith-filled radio. Well, today uh, we're going to take you to Japan in the company of Catherine Porter, who's joining me in the studio. Good, good morning to you, Catherine. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, so, Catherine, before we begin about your amazing journey and your current work, I know you're on furlough at, at the moment, uh, but how did the whole faith journey uh, begin for you? Yeah, I was brought up in a Christian family. I remember going to church from being very young. We went to a local Anglican church. But I didn't really know God for myself. That came a lot later on. Actually, I started playing the harp at age eight, and I wasn't a very confident child. I played the harp and I got praised for it, and I started finding my worth in my harp. I was also quite academic, so my schoolwork took on a big role in my life. And as a teenager, it felt like my life was harp plus study. And I went on to go to Cambridge University to study music there. So when did the, when did the crunch come in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously your confidence would have been developed all along the way in terms of playing the harp and, the, and your music and your academic studies. So when did you come to really know that actually this whole thing about God was a bit more than just going to church? <laughs> so that was at Cambridge at university. I was studying and practicing and suddenly it didn't feel enough. It felt like life wasn't worth it if this is all there is. And I was still going to church, but I started going to church and really wanting to hear what they were saying. I was really hungry for God. And at that time, I believed that I was worthless. But in church, I was told, you have worth. Jesus loves you enough to die for you. And it was just life changing. Although I still felt quite depressed when I was out of church, when I was in church and spending time with God, it was just the best place in the world for me. And that started to change my attitude changed my thoughts I felt that God was saying to me I've called you for hope and not for despair I've called you for light and not for darkness and I started looking for ways to commit my life to him in a new way now obviously you, you had your music there I, 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 you know in, the, in those days in Cambridge did you think that maybe someday you might like to go overseas I hadn't thought of being a missionary I was very interested in Russia I was interested in the history, the music, the politics. So I thought maybe I could study harp abroad one day. But I started feeling this conflict that I wanted to spend all my time with God and serving God. But I'd always planned to be a professional musician and I wasn't sure what to do about this conflict. So I started praying about that. And that's where doors started open. Um, I went to the Keswick Convention that summer the summer after finishing university and it was raining and I couldn't get back to where I was staying so I went into the missions tent and a missionary started talking to me so I just started a conversation saying Weck, you send people to Russia, don't you? and he didn't seem that interested in what I was saying but he was interested in me and who I was and he found out that I was a musician and he said that in WEC they'd just started up this new ministry called Arts Release where they wanted to send musicians to do mission work abroad. So that must have made your heart beat faster. So much. I felt the Holy Spirit like working in me and I thought this is what I want to do. I really want to do this. And I went home from Keswick and I applied immediately and they didn't reply to my email for a couple of days. I was like, when are they going to reply? I want to go. I want to go now. <laughs> <laughs> so you applied for it. Well, I mean, short term, how, how long was, sh- was short term? Sure. So when I first started talking to WEC, they were talking about going to a country that was 
bordered onto Russia, but wasn't Russia. And it was for a three month program. But it felt close to Russia. It felt about the right length of time. So I applied to do this. And actually what happened was two months before I was due to go, I got this email and it said, Japan are expecting you in February. (laughs) I thought, but I don't want to go to Japan. Isn't Japan a country of technology, a country of plenty? Why would Japan need missionaries? And I cried and I did a Google search and I found some beautiful pictures of monkeys <laughs> in hot springs in the snow. You could just imagine yourself playing the harp to the monkeys. <laughs> I thought, well, if it's three months in God's saying go to, the, go to Japan, surely it'll be all right. I can just follow in obedience for three months. Mm. So I went short term. In- and why was there that the change? Was it a clerical error or... Why the change? No, I think the original branch weren't prepared to receive short-term workers at that time. So the conversation had gone differently with the branch leaders and maybe I've been informed a bit late. Now, the place that you went to in Japan, I was just, I've written it down here on on my notes. Was that, was that, I'm probably not going to get the pronunciation right. Was that Miyako? So where I ended up long-term was Miyako. Mm Mm-hmm. So I did get the pronunciation reasonably right. Yeah. yeah. But where did you, in, in the first tr- short-term visit, where did you go? I was in Shiga Prefecture in a town called Hikone. So as what what did you do there? I mean, I, I'm just thinking about the, the day that you arrived. There was you and uh, hopefully with a little bit more confidence now with your harp. <laughs> Without my harp. Without your fact. harp. Oh, So the first challenge when I arrived was being served noodle soup with egg and given chopsticks. (laughs) And the noodles and the egg just ran away from me. (laughs) I was working in a church with some missionaries from WEC. We did English teaching. We did outreach through a toddler group. We did the church services on Sunday. We visited people in the community. And when those missionaries heard I played the harp... They asked me, are there any companies in Japan that hire out harps? And there aren't that many. We found there's one harp factory in Japan, and it just happened to be in the neighbouring prefecture to where we were. And the missionary that I was working with was mad enough to say, let's go and get one. So <laughs> so you, you were in seventh heaven then? Yeah, it, it was provision that I just never expected. It just felt like God had his hand on this trip. So having got the harp, what was the first occasion that you played it like? So we did three concerts in the church one weekend, two on the Saturday and one on the Sunday. It was a small church. You could only fit 30 or 40 people in at best. So they did the three concerts so more people could come in. And people were coming into church who had never been into a church building before. The contacts from the missionaries, the contacts from the church regular members and people that had seen flyers or advertisements. And they heard the harp, which was great, but they also heard a Bible message from the missionary. So they were hearing about the Bible for maybe the first time. And it just felt God is using my music for mission. I can do harp and God at the same time. Well, of course, that was to begin quite an adventure. But let's just have some music and what better way than go to your CD. So do you want to introduce this first piece of music that you've chosen? This is maybe my favourite old hymn tune. It's an arrangement of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. (laughs) 
Of course, that was a lovely arrangement there on the harp of when I survey the wondrous cross. What, what, what was the reaction of of the people listening to you playing? For the Japanese people, the harp is quite unusual, so that's special for them. But it's also similar to one of their own traditional instruments, the koto. So they hear it and it's familiar, but it's different. And that helps them to relate to it and it helps to open hearts. Mm. And and must have done your confidence a, a world of good as well. I mean, obviously you started off our conversation today by saying that the, in the early days you weren't so confident. By the time you'd left, you'd, you'd left Cambridge and, of course, that you'd, you started this sort of short-term uh, opportunity of, of, of mission. Uh, what was your confidence like at that point? A lot better. It was like finding what I was supposed to be doing and finding who I was. Mm. Now, of course, the, the time came for your short-term experience to end, but you'd been inspired. So back to the UK you come, and then what did you do? I got back to the UK, and I immediately started applying to go long-term. I think that was really hard for my parents, because they thought, she's just had a good three months. Yeah, she's, she's, got, that go out of it. she's got that out of her system now, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, but for me, it felt like this is what God's calling me to do, and I prayed about it, and I asked for a verse from the Bible. And he gave me this verse from Jeremiah, which says, If you will remain in this land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not pluck you up. And I felt that God was promising me that if I stayed in Japan, then he was going to plant me in him, that I was going to grow in him. This was the best plan that he had for me. So what did you have to do in terms of a plank? Was it a long process? I did a three-month candidates orientation course with WEC, and that was after a number of interviews. Then we had interviews during the candidates course. The final interview is in front of everyone from WEC UK, so it's an interview in front of about 50 people. So it's just as well your confidence levels were <laughs> built up by that time. <laughs> it was scary, but afterwards when I thought about it you've then got 50 people saying we think it's right for you to go and we're going to be praying for you we're behind you in this it's a huge confidence boost Mm. now obviously in terms of language and preparation to go had you picked up the language when you were there the first time very little I was due to go to language school for my first year so I was asked to go in the spring of 2011 Um, language school was supposed to start in April so I was really hoping to get a flight in March of 2011. My problem was finances actually. Um, WEC is a faith mission and we believe that God's going to provide everything we need at the time we need it Mm. but I just didn't have anything so I was wondering am I supposed to go in March? What am I supposed to do? And then on the 2nd of March 2011 I got this anonymous gift of with the gift aid, £12,500. And it was like God was saying, this is right, you're supposed to be going now. And I communicated with the Japan branch, and on the 9th of March, I booked my plane ticket. I booked a ticket for the 24th of March. It was finally settled, and I could finally tell people, I know what I'm doing, I'm going. And then two days after I booked this ticket, we heard the news of the earthquake, tsunami, and nuclear power disaster in Fukushima. It was what devastating. Am I, what am I going <laughs> to? <laughs> and of course, it was at that point that that, that you went to uh, uh, Maya. I'm just horrified. Mayaka. Miyako. Miyako. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you went. So tell us, what, what's Mayako like as a place? It's a small fishing town. Um, I can't remember the population, but it's a lot, lot less than Bournemouth. It's countryside. If you wanted to get to a big town, you would have to drive two hours through a mountain pass that would get snowed over in the winter. A lot of the people fish. So if I wanted to meet someone and it was July time, I would have to make sure it wasn't a seaweed harvest day. Because if it was seaweed harvest, everyone would be at the sea. Then at a different season, it would be oyster day and everyone would be collecting the oysters. It had its own dialect. When I went to Japan, I thought that Japanese was just one language. It isn't. And the dialect isn't in the dictionaries. So you we had to pick it up by speaking it then? Listening? The speak? dialect, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Miyako, there were 2,000 families displaced by the tsunami. They moved into these temporary housing units. Corrugated iron, tiny, tiny units where if you stretch your arm out, you could reach from one wall to the other and you'd got two or three people living in those units. They'd lost everything. Some of them were still paying insurance on the houses that had been swept away. They'd lost families. If I just tell you the story of one lady, Mm. her name was Mrs Kagaya. And when the tsunami came... She and her daughter were trying to run away from their house. But the earthquake caused one of the timbers in the front porch to fall on this lady's legs. She couldn't run. When the tsunami came 20 minutes later, her daughter was swept away. But because this lady had got the timber on her legs, she wasn't swept away. She survived. She spent the next two months looking for her daughter's body. She found it two months later on the 11th of May. Then the mother had to move into these temporary housing units and try to rebuild her life. So for you as a missionary, because you were going this time, not as a novice, but as somebody who had been prepared, but I guess something of a novice, because you, though you would have had the preparation and the learning, but had anybody prepared you for... The disaster and the the sheer heartache and pain that you would have walked into effectively. I wasn't prepared for what I found. After my first time of a couple of days listening to people's stories, I found myself so confused. I couldn't work out how people in the big towns, away from the disaster zone, were managing to live normally. I was also confused by the fact that the survivors were so thankful for me for what I'd done when I hadn't done anything. (laughs) The first work was physical labour, shoveling mud. And I I was useless. I had no muscle at all. And yet, when I was going at the end of the day, they were gathering around the car saying, thank you, thank you, please come again. And that just broke my heart, how these people could have such open hearts when they've been through so much. And spiritually, what was the what was the temperature like? I mean, I didn't ask you really, you know, generally in terms of Japan, uh, you know, your briefing would have prepared you for something like that, but what, what would the, the spiritual temperature have been at the time that you went? So the area that I was in was very traditional. Um, It was Buddhist and Shinto, and people would have these Buddhist altars in their homes. They would be offering food on the altars every day. But there was also shamanism in the area that I was in. 
So people had lost all these people from the tsunami and they wanted to talk to the dead souls. So they'd be visiting the shaman to try and speak to the husband that yes. they'd lost. Mm. And it it was comforting them to think that the dead were still with them and looking out for them. So that was a really hard dynamic to be working with. And so for you, I mean, did they know that you were there with the Christian organisation? They knew that I worked for the church and I used my harp to do outreach to them. And when I used my harp, I shared my story. I shared that as a university student, I'd been depressed, but that God had given me hope and that he'd healed me and he'd given me a purpose in life. I mean, obviously, having just heard uh, the harp on which Diogo will hear it again in a, in a second, it, even whenever I was listening, it was the first time I'd heard you play, but there was something soothing uh, about that. Um, and I guess that, that it would have been very timely for you to be playing the harp to those, those folk, perhaps communicating in ways beyond even your own expectations. To start with, when I was working with the people, my Japanese was still not good. But when I played, I could make relationship. And for them too, they were coming into these meeting rooms and their faces just looked so dark. They didn't know what to say, they didn't know what to do and they didn't really want to talk all the time. So to have something like music was a really helpful tool. Shall we play your next track? Sure. This is a traditional Japanese piece, Sakura Sakura. It's about the cherry blossom.
There's another beautiful piece there from uh, Catherine called uh, Blossom, Cherry Blossom. This is Hope FM. Well, my very special guest in, in the studio today is someone who knows a great deal about about the, the country of uh, Japan. And you heard there about those difficult days uh, when, when Catherine really tried to form relationship with people. And of course, your harp became a major tool in, in helping the people at least to find some comfort. How do things develop? I got closer to people. I started having tea with people almost every day, being invited into people's houses, being able to listen to them for hours, beginning to understand what they were actually saying when they talked to me, which was great, and being able to share my life with them as well. I started a worship service actually in my house um, with a few local Christians who weren't linked to churches. And before I came away, I was able to invite non-Christians into that worship time as well a friend was able to come and hear about what Jesus had done for her not just from me but from the whole church and that was so amazing to see that and see the local Christians join to my non-Christian contacts and continue to reach out to them and although I'm in the UK now that church plant is continuing to meet weekly continuing to outreach the community and I suppose the one thing that you have certainly demonstrated is is the right to talk to people. I mean, you you talked about digging, you know, and and helping in a very practical way, even though you maybe didn't have the muscles to do it. <laughs> but of course, obviously, that was endearing you to the people, as indeed for them to invite you to their homes must also have been a wonderful opportunity for you to build relationships and for you to be, begin. I suppose in sharing your life, you were sharing the gospel. It started as works of love, just showing Jesus' love. On the first day that you met someone, you were unlikely to tell them the gospel. You were more likely to And there wasn't a pressure to do that, was there? No, not at all. But as you spent a lot of time with them, years that I spent with them, it naturally comes up, and it comes up when you don't expect it to. But you've said something that you didn't think was Christian at all and their remark that that's different to how they do life and it will just give those opportunities. So did the news spread about the woman with her harp? (laughs) It did, both locally and nationally. I was able to play on local television, local radio and because there were volunteers coming into Miyako from all over the country I started getting invites from different islands on Japan. I went to Hokkaido, I went to Shikoku. I played in, I don't know, 20 different prefectures and ended up playing on national television. Gosh, did did you ever think that there you would be <laughs> entertaining the, the whole of, of Japan? That's never what I thought would happen. When I joined WEC and decided to follow missions, I thought that was the end of playing professionally, playing for big audiences. I thought I'd sacrifice my heart to God. But then he gave it back to me. He said, this is what I've made you to do. Doesn't God have a, a, a way of that? I mean, it's. I remember somebody saying to me that, that all the experience in our life, you know, over the years are the perfect preparation. You know, all the gifts and the desires that God puts in. I mean, if it's not from him, he takes them away, doesn't he? But more often than not, uses the very thing and it even has used those days whenever you felt depressed and alone because now that's part of your testimony isn't it yeah when I've done concerts I've had testimony then a piece then more testimony then a piece and 
sharing my weakness helps open people's hearts too because in the Japanese culture you don't share weakness it's a shame culture so a foreigner saying different things just you could get off you could get off with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and what has been the the general direction I mean so obviously you had quite a bit of exposure on local radio and and national television did you get much reaction I got loads of invitations to play in places. I've had invitations through for almost two years in advance to play. Um, And when I did these concerts in maybe the middle of nowhere, just a church that really wanted to do it, people, again, were coming into the church that hadn't come in before and continued going to church after the concert. Occasionally, a pastor would write to me later and say, that person that came on that day they've now been baptised or one church invited me back actually five years in a row and the first two years I had these conversations with this lady and she wasn't a Christian and the third year she said I'm becoming a Christian and before she left the church that day she told the pastor then the next year when I went back I went to the Sunday morning service before doing concert on the Sunday afternoon and she shared her testimony in the service and she changed and you could see the light of Christ in her. And that was such a privilege to just be a part of what God was doing there. So you've been in Japan, is it nine years? It is. Gosh, a long time. So would it be true to say, Catherine, that a big part of your heart is there? I feel like I know what I'm doing in Japan. I know what to eat. I know where to go. I know how to talk. And now I've come to Bournemouth and I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to start playing at the harp all around you know, our area as well. <laughs> but, but I suppose also coming back to the UK, because you, you tried three times to get, to get back because of the, the coronavirus? Yes, yeah, so I'd planned this year's furlough before COVID started and I booked my flight and then half of it was cancelled. So I was going to get stuck in Finland And then the next flight that I booked was changed and it wasn't going to work and they didn't even know whether they could give me a refund. Then about two weeks before I was due to fly, I managed to get a flight from Tokyo to London, so from capital city to capital city. Huge plane with only 15 people on the whole flight. Had things been normal, what would you have used this furlough year for? I'm hoping, I'm still hoping to do deputation in different churches. So people listening to this could invite you to their church. Yeah, I don't know whether you picked it up, but I love sharing what God's done for me. And I think that's pretty evident, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> and when I can do it with the harp, that just really suits what I can do. I Yeah, I'd love to be able to do that in the UK as well. No, absolutely. And then you, you, you go back to Japan then next year? Due to go back next summer. Mm-hmm. And as you go back, I mean, obviously nine years down the road and so much experience on to, onto your belt what's your what's your vision for the future what do you think god's saying to you i felt that i needed to prioritize what i was doing because i i just had a lot of work so to make the concerts and the outreach in that way the best that i possibly can that will be my main ministry when i go back now i can't think of anybody better talk because there's a lot of people with what we're experiencing here with coronavirus mental health issues and so on loneliness and isolation these things are are rampant and i guess the blame culture is also rampant you know in the uk Mm -hmm. now here you are in your home country 
what would you say to us in terms of and and to those people who who maybe are feeling very hopeless and very alone and very frightened at this time for the people in japan what i saw was that it was a long journey and they had to accept what they felt it wasn't going to get better quickly but when they got together and when they just tried to do things together that helped and just to know that god accepts us in our anxiousness in our depression in our confusion he's there in all of it and he is going to bring us through well catherine thank you so much for being uh, my guest today and i guess if people listening to this program would like to invite you to uh, to their church or whatever uh if hard how, how do they contact you should they do that maybe through me that would be brilliant yeah, yeah so uh, so so yeah if you want to get in contact with catherine you just drop me a line that's blair c at hopefm.com then we can we can help to make the connections but uh, thank you so much and i'm sure that god will open the door for you to have much more opportunity to share and of course we'll have you back on the radio how could we not <laughs> <Thank> catherine you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh, anyway, we have a, a final piece uh, of, of music. Do you want to introduce it? It's John Rutter's The Lord Bless You and Keep You. I just want to play this blessing over you now.
Well, the Lord bless you. Played on the harp there uh, by uh, Catherine Porter. And if you would like to invite uh, Catherine, you know, to uh, to your church or fellowship, I'm sure that she would be delighted uh, to come to share, well, to play the harp for you uh, and also to share more of her, uh, her amazing uh, testimony. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.